You know, I was a high school athlete, played three sports a year. So really, I was the first one to ever kind of go guard. I was the first person to graduate from college in my my entire family. I went from my bachelor's to my PhD, and I never paid a cent. I graduated in 2021, became Dr. Harden. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another insightful episode of the Guard to Guard podcast, where we like to promote powerful conversations to educate, inspire, and challenge you to unlock your full potential. And today we have the privilege of introducing a true military professional and remarkable leader, Captain Lee Harden. Sir, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. So really quickly, we do want to give our audience a a brief introduction about who Captain Lee Harden is. Uh, And that is an infantry officer with 23 years of service in the Pennsylvania Army National Guard right next to us here. Uh, Currently serving in the AGR program as a battalion executive officer for the 1st 109th out of uh, Scranton, PA. He is an Iraqi war veteran from 2005 to 2006, and then, uh, you know, served eight years, sir, as enlisted, correct? That's correct, yep. All right, before commissioning uh, through the Bloomsburg University Army ROTC program. And in addition to that, uh, to his military background, Captain Harden holds a PhD in educational psychology from Temple University and has served as a professor in the College of Education and Human Development in Temple. And also, he's a father of three boys and has been happily married for 11 years. And that was, <laughs> that's all. I mean, we're just so happy and excited to have you, sir. It means the world to us that you're taking the time to just kind of, you know, hop on the podcast. We know you're very busy. So we just want to ask you a few questions. Absolutely. You know, our first question, we like to kind of stick to this one as our first one. Why Why did you join the Army National Guard? Like, what made you choose this branch over the other branches? Um, and, you know, just give us a little brief description of you know, Captain Harden, pretty much where you started and where you are now. You know, I was a high school athlete, played three sports a year, and very active. Um, my father was active duty, grandfather active duty, uncle was active duty. Uh, pretty much everybody in my family has always been Army, so it was kind of a legacy a little bit. Um, it just, you know, no other branch, right? You know, but everyone went straight active duty. Um, my school, my grades were, were good. You know, they were pretty, pretty decent in high school. I think being an athlete also, you know, I was focused on so many things at once. Right. Um, and I had potential for athletics too, for in college. And a lot of my friends were doing it and I still wanted to, try to honor the, you know, the family legacy a little bit. So really I was the first one to ever kind of go guard. Uh, I was considering reserves at the time, but my father was, I was, I was, um, (laughs) but I, you know, that's just, you know, me being a young kid who didn't know anything. Right. And and my dad, uh, got out of active duty and he transitioned for the last few years, just trying to, you know, going into the guard as well. So I kind of had a, a, you know, from a person who didn't know on the outside, I didn't know the difference between guard reserves. But what I did know, at least from my dad, you know, because he wasn't a guard unit, wasn't very far, like the armory itself wasn't very far away. He was also a 19 kilo, he was a tanker. And so I quickly also found out, you know, hey, if I wanted to go kind of go combat arms at all of any kind of sort, you know, guard is the way to go, especially with the presence that Pennsylvania had at that time. You know, we had numerous armor units and everything. Okay. Um, I didn't so I didn't necessarily want to be 19 kilo, but they approached, you know, I saw in their career about certain options, like what's available, uh, you know, infantry, all these things. I still wanted to, you know, somehow serve with my dad. I thought that would be a cool thing, but I realized, you know, it would look good to also be in the same unit, right? Mm-hmm. So at least within the same battalion. So I ended up being a 19 Delta. I was a cab scout which was uh, honestly the best one that I could probably pick for that time. I thought it was unique, uh, really, especially back then. This was 
geez, 2000. It was, um, it was like the transition was just beginning, you know, for um, a lot of the equipment upgrades and everything before 9-11 occurred. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was awesome. I started my senior year. I signed up when I was 17, went to MEPS, all that good stuff. And, you know, what really pitched it, too, was that, you know, I came from a family that, um, very loving family, very supporting family. I'm very grateful for that. But college wasn't a thing. Um, mm. you know, I was the first person to graduate from college in my, my entire family, uh, and my brother as well. Um, we actually graduated the same day, which was cool. He's three years younger than me, but you know, uh, I got deployed and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was big honor, you know, it, that was cool. And, um, that, that to me, I think, you know, meant a lot more as well. Just like I, I wanted to take education seriously. Um, and there's numerous schools with, you know, the tuition assistance program, you know, uh, for, for Pennsylvania, they have EAP, uh, you know, 10 semesters, college, et cetera. And, um, a lot of the schools that were paid for hundred percent, you know, a lot of them are close by to my house as well. So I ended up going to Bloomsburg university, which was about like 40 minutes away from where I grew up. Um, and, and you absolutely loved it there. Uh, I looked at army ROTC while I was there on campus, but you know, I came back from, I did the split option program. I did basic, went to my first, you know, freshman year of college, went back on the AIT. And I was just enjoying being enlisted. I enjoyed my platoon. I enjoyed going to drill. I made great friends. You know, it was um, a good positive aspect. Um, And it wasn't, you know, it worked well with my uh, college classes and everything like that. Um, Then uh, eventually uh, I was called up for deployment. You know, I was, uh, uh, I made E5 very young, very early, always maxing PT tests, nice. shooting expert all the time, doing all that good stuff. Yeah, and I was also a college athlete. I was staying in shape. I was swimming for for Bloomsburg. Uh, you know, that was that definitely made my run time look amazing, you know, mm-hmm. just being yeah. so thin all the you time. definitely kept busy, you know? sir. Right. Definitely kept busy yeah. in college. That staying busy, and that was it. And then uh, off overseas, I uh, went to Iraq and uh, I was in Ramadi. I was an 18 month deployment to our Ramadi, Iraq. At the time, we had to go to Camp Shelby, all that good stuff, the Primo, all the the beginning of everything. That uh, kind of very kinetic be, time frame. Yeah, and uh, with all that being said, came back home, and you know, my time was up on my initial contract, and I, you know, uh, the deployment was a very, very arduous one. It was tough. You know, it was a it was a a, a very tough, unique situation. Uh, but I made some lifelong friends, you know, and a lot of people were just like, when we came back, we lost discuss what we were going to do. And I knew I wanted to still wanted to finish school. You know, that was my, my main goal. Cause I only had like a, a year left. You know, I, I pulled out of school just to go on the deployment. Kind of thing. Uh, college first didn't exist back then, you know, mm-hmm. or any other type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I decided to re-up for three. I ended up getting my staff sergeant, um, uh, and uh, we were kind of a, a mechanized scout unit. We, we got uh, Bradleys at the time. And uh, as I was doing all these things and I finally got my undergraduate degree and I was ready to kind of start my career in life, I, I kind of started looking at other things like master's programs. You know, the younger version of me never would have considered master's. I was just happy with getting a, ba- a bachelor's degree, just happy for my family, hoping that I can go out and make some money and you know, and, and support myself and everything. Um, but there were some master's programs that were available. My grades were way better as I kind of grew up and mature. 
thanks to the guard, literally. Uh, I wasn't being young and dumb. I was I was being focused and, and trying to think about my, my life moving forward. And uh, I decided to get a master's, um, but I was curious on how to pay for it. And, um, you know, I exercised all of my EAP, but there was other tuition assistance that I didn't know about. Um, and I reached out to the education centers and recruiters and talked about FTA. Um, I also had a GI bill, which I never really touched at that time. So I used that as well. So for my bachelor's and my master's, I completely had paid fully by the government. I never, ever spent one dime. I went from my bachelor's to my PhD and I never paid a cent. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that. So I graduated in 2021, became Dr. Harden. Wow. That is that. Wow. That's insane. I mean, it sounds like every time you had that window of opportunity, you, you literally jumped in, no hesitation, took, you know, whatever the assignment was, whatever the advancement was at that point, you were just, you're ready. Right. And I always say this, I'm like, you, you, you have to stay ready. So you don't have to get ready when the opportunity does arise. So, mm-hmm. uh, to hear your story, so it's very ins- inspiring and it's just a true example of like just being ready. And when the, t- the right time comes, you just take the leap of faith. Yeah, you have to absolutely. And no one's going to do it for you. You kind of have to map things out. And a lot of people I, I feel kind of get to a period of, of being a little lost, especially when they're in college. Um, I have many friends change majors, oh, yeah. uh, numerous times. It delays their education. It delays their graduation. And, and you know, they're, there's numerous ways of making money, you know, and, you know, 40 hours a week is still 40 hours a week, no matter how you slice it. That time is time. It's just, right. what can you find that's at least going to be fulfilling for you at that point? And then if things are not fulfilling, change it. You know, I changed my, I had a bachelor's in criminal justice, which, you know, I was just wanted to maybe go somehow, some way in a federal program, ATF, secret service, whatever, looking at those, those opportunities. But when masters started getting presented, I was like, you know, I mean, I, I was at an act for computers, even though I did nothing with signal at all in the army, because uh, I was always a combat arms guy. I was like, I can go go for a master's in IT, and I figured, why not? Why not apply? It wouldn't hurt, you know. They made me take a take a test, take a GRE, and study for that. Do it, and then I was an IT person for quite some time, and so it was very fulfilling. Eventually, I wanted to change change gears again, and uh, my PhD is in something completely different. It's in educational <laughs> psychology, so. Like literally, like you can be a jack of all trades. Yeah. Money is still money. It's all green, right? It, it, you're going to get it regardless of where you go. You just got to find something that moves on. Mm-hmm. There, there's a will, there's a way. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we spent a lot of time as, you know, enlisted and, and I know a lot of, you know, second lieutenants right now looking at the mountaintop, right? Looking at the people who lead us that are, you know, far more, I would say, knowledgeable and smarter and just one thing I've noticed is kind of like, you know, they, they, they never call themselves like the elite or the expert at anything. Like they simply just do the work and let other people tell them they're good. Um, so my question for you is, what do you, what do you think, what is, what's your concept of like leadership and, and leading from the front and, and being that example that you set not only for your military side, but also for your, for your sons, for your family, what is a good leader to you? Oh gosh. Um, the best way that I describe what a good leader is, is I feel that there's three levels of skill. I guess there's, there's three separate skills, categories of skill when it comes to every leader. And it's a person, you know, and this is, this is a cool competency, essentially, the way I describe it. Um, every person, even if they're a leader or not, has certain administrative skills, uh, interpersonal skills, and conceptual skills. And the problem is, is you as a person, whether you're introverted, extroverted, right? 
you're walking into a new job, there's going to be things you don't know, but you can grow. You can always grow in all three of those areas based on the culture, based on the team you're joining, based on your own drive and interests, uh, what motivates you to get better, you know, whether it is promotions or money or just satisfaction or working with groups or working with people, whatever it may be. So to me, a good leader is a person that has all three of those skills tight, knowing that probably one at any given time on any given job is probably stronger than the other, right? When, um, so like administrative skills, those are the, the type of skills that make you an expert in your field, that you know the job that you're supposed to do. And when you first start out, you may not have that. You may have other expertise that relates to a new job. You leave one job to another. You're bringing a few things to the table that can make you an efficient and competent person that can do things on your own, be self-disciplined. And then there is the conceptual skills, which are the ones that can see your ability to create vision and see vision uh, and also communicate it, right? So I've met many leaders out there who are just really good hard workers and they're very interpersonable. Their interpersonal skill, the last one, of course, being able to actually manage a team and talk to people, communicate, showing emotional intelligence, showing empathy. Um, A lot of people sometimes just lack concept and it's not necessarily because uh, of their brain just being a, a way that they're wired that they can't do it. I think a lot of people get caught up in the moment, they get into a certain job, and they start focusing on certain tasks that they do all the time. They become really good at it, and they get known for it, and they get probably get some good evaluation, pat on the backs, maybe an award, you know, that's great. Um, but they don't see the bigger picture. They kind of stay in this within their bubble. And then I also see many leaders out there that have great vision, great concepts, ex- you know, things they want to accomplish with the organization, but they may lack the expertise. And you see this often in many jobs where a person gets hired because of, you know, they, they have uh, many uh, good qualities on paper, but they're taking over a, a, a department or a team that, you know, they may not have done the job before that their team is actually doing. They may not know or have insight on what the team actually does or can do, what is capable, what's feasible, what's achievable. So I feel that, you know, it, it all balances between those three things and, and when you have a severe deficit in one, you're going to be viewed as a, a, not the best leader. Anyone can be personable, anyone can be likable, but if they're not able to shape and create and communicate a vision to rally the team when times are tough, to give direction and guidance for them, uh, left and right limits and restriction constraints, or give guidance on how to achieve or overcome obstacles, I'm not saying do all the work, but helping delegate and helping critically think uh, and also a good leader should have the bottom up refinement, right? You know, I think that that's a good command structure, uh, exactly. that taking in time to know your people, mm-hmm. to understand their goals, their insights and their perspectives and respect their opinions and try to see how can we leverage the resources we have? How can we leverage the people that we have that have certain talents and desires to do certain things? How can that benefit the overall organization? That creates new courses of action to tackle numerous products when you know what you have, when you have the data on what people are capable of doing. Uh, And then that can maybe meet intent. You know, so that's where I feel those three areas are so crucial. Um, And people may describe it different ways. But, you know, and again, that's the way I do admin, conceptual and interpersonal. Pretty much hit everything on the head. It's definitely very true, especially, you know, with the last part. Um, we're, We're constantly growing and evolving. 
um, especially in our military forces and, you know, definitely taking every day as a learning curve from, you know, it could be a private all the way up to a, a, a general and mm-hmm. everybody has d- different leadership qualities, different leadership traits. And every day you pretty much learn something new on how to either how to either make something more efficient um, compared to what we were previously doing in our in our units or whatever we're doing in a, um, our military career. So I definitely, you know, liked how you broke everything down there, sir. It's definitely very insightful to hear how, you know, it come from you, especially being that you do have your 23 years of service, which definitely brings me over to my next question. So reflecting on your 23 years of service, what advice would you give young officers or aspiring officers to become effective leaders in the military? Ah, yeah. Bring you back to your ROTC days a little bit. That's what I'm looking back. That's what I'm looking back. You know, mine was not typical, right? You know, there's a a few ROTC kids that come through that are prior service, right? You know, Mm -hmm. there's a few. Some go OCS instead, right? Uh, It depends on what, you know, what you want to do and how you want to do it. But with ROTC, for those that are thinking about doing it or doing OCS, try to think about the type of person that you are and like, you know, do you want to see the world, right? Do you want to travel? Where do you see yourself living? Um, if you did ROTC and you were going to go guard, you know, do you want to have a job in the military that supplements what you're currently doing or looking to do full time or not? You know, some people love doing something that's completely different in the military. Uh, that is so, you know, far from the regular job. Um, I have a coworker that I work with who is literally an infantryman, but on the, you know, on the weekends, but Monday through Friday, he's a surgeon and the army wants him to be a doctor for them all the time. He's like, no, you know, I, I enjoy the unit. I enjoy the camaraderie. Um, I love that. You know, yeah, I, that's I would get different. burned out. I would get so burned out. <laughs> yeah. just, right. All I did was cut all the time, cutting and cutting and cutting. It's like, I get it. I have a skill, but yeah. what makes you happy? What makes you drive? So to me, it's like thinking about how can, how can the guard work for you? How can the guard enhance your life? It shouldn't be like considered or viewed as a job, right? The way I looked at it, you know, when I was, especially as an MBA soldier, I looked forward to drill. Sometimes maybe I didn't want to because you had other stuff going on, you know, but once I got there, ah, it's all good. You know, I loved it. So I think for an aspiring officer is just kind of looking at that year plan. When you're in ROTC, you're probably your junior year, senior year. Life's coming at you real soon. You know, you're going to walk across the stage and get a diploma. And in two years from now, are you're probably not even living in the same city. You know, you're, you're probably moving on. You're probably looking at jobs and other places. So how you want to align yourself and kind of establish like your, 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 your foundation, your, your direction, right? What industry are you going into? And do you want to be a part of that, you know, corporate or academia or government? And then once you're inside there, is there anything that the military can offer you to enhance your civilian career? Is there maybe a job in the military that requires a, a secret or a top secret security clearance, especially for some young officers? If that's the case and you want to go to the government sector, having a top secret on your resume would be very good. You know, when you apply an interview saying, I already got a top secret. Right. So then maybe you want to do something in the military that is more intel related or signal related or cyber related or whatever that could help benefit and enhance your civilian career. Maybe there's certain certifications that, you know, uh, master fitness trainer, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that can help, you know, build towards getting an NASM, you know, uh, if you wanted to be like a physical, you know, a personal trainer or something like that. So trying to find what, what opportunities lie within, in, in, 
in, in the garden. And the big thing I would say for aspiring leaders is everybody's kind of coming out of Bullock, your basic officer leader course, the same. You are all hopefully going to be maybe getting a platoon spot or something like that. So what can differentiate you from your peers? Yes, you get along with your peers. They're your friends. But on paper, when it comes to evaluation and the way rating profiles are, you know, that commander can only really pop lock maybe one or possibly two. It's competition. More than likely one. Yeah, it is a competition. And what can set you apart? And I look at um, not only those schools, right? I always try to go to school one school a year if I can. I know the op tempo doesn't always allow that. Um, But there's plenty of schools out there that people don't choose to go to that are just, you know, because they don't have a badge. Right, it's nothing cool, right? You know, it's something that you can't like show off, but it's still something that goes in your file that makes you look, you know, great. You know that you, you're taking some additional time to better yourself. So, find some schools. Try to do a school every year, no matter what it is. You know, the striker leader course, battle leader course, whatever it may be. Uh, and also look at your civilian education and consider it. Will that enhance your civilian career? Um, and will that also, you know, civilian education? That's part of your ORB. It's on your record brief. You know. So finding those opportunities uh, to help grow is important. And then, and probably the last thing is, is networking. Um, not that everybody gets to really do that in the guard, you know, especially if you're first starting out, you're kind of in the same battalion. You get to know people there, which is very important for you to do your job. But eventually, as you kind of go to the ranks, it is helpful to get to know other people outside of your organization. Um, attend dining outs, go to dining outs, make friends, go to those. Yeah. You have to, you have to just like in regular corporate or government work or academia work. It's who, you know, in a way too, sometimes because you can get so much information from other people, uh, that would tell you things. And I'm not saying it's like, you know, I got not not political here. I'm just saying that like knowing people that can help you out. Mm -hmm. I met a person who is a wonderful war officer. Uh, she was enlisted, went warrant, um, and I, you know, found out just through the grapevine through her that, you know, there's maybe some opportunity that maybe I could uh, try to engage working at the War College at Carlisle. I have a PhD. You know, I didn't think about that before. And, you know, hey, maybe when post-retirement, why not try to work there? You know, that could be something on my list that maybe I should maybe talk to somebody. So people know people. They may send you an email saying, why don't you contact this person, reach out. Maybe a letter of recommendation may come down your way from a lieutenant colonel that knew you or something like that. You're applying for a job. You never know. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to, to branch out, find people, uh, you know, and, you know, one day when you may be calling up a request for something, you may be aviation assets and stuff. Well, cause you got some people, you know, over in the aviation office, you know, a, a few, pilots or whatever they may be able to help you out and uh that's the that's the stuff that also makes you look like you can solve problems because well you can you're connected you're finding the resources you need and you may not even realize you may need them yet but maybe one day six months or a year down the road you know you have a phone number to call and that's going to make you look great and that's that's the thing too i think is so important is networking Collect those contacts, right? Because if you want to go fast, you know, go alone. But if you want to go far, right, got to work yeah. with other people, go together. So I love that. Absolutely. It takes a village. It takes a village. Sometimes you got to be Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that one, just to add on that with your point there, it's, mm-hmm. this is a job, but at the same time, it's just like any other business. It's a, it's a, the Army is a business in a way, right? It's, it's got a structure. It's got, you know, an organizational uh, and, 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 and 
and a tree, a hierarchy that goes with it, just like any other Google, Apple, you know, Microsoft, you name any type of company, they're like that. So uh, there's a lot of crosstalk that occurs all the time. Uh, so find find those people that are powerful, that will empower you, and also find resources and what they can bring to the table for your organization. So yeah. we, outsource, we outsource contractors too. Um, we have some traveling trainers that are coming in to help our unit with doing some special training. You know, marksmanship units out there that can really help out. There's lots of cool things that, you know, internally that the, you know, the guard has, like how can I help leverage and also help train your soldiers? So as a PL, looking for those types of things and those types of engagement with the community and other things, that makes you look amazing. So, yeah, Absolutely. I love how you said it. It takes, takes a village and the, the community nearby your armory probably also has some resources you could probably utilize too. So that's great. Absolutely, sir. And, you know, it, you have a lot like that you already accomplished, especially your 23 years. Um, you currently serving as battalion XO. You have a lot on your plate. Plus, you have three, three boys. And yeah. coming from me that I have one two year old, you know, it, I'm going crazy with one with one boy. I can only imagine three boys. Yeah. So sir, how well, do you right. manage? Absolutely. How do you manage everything how do you manage to be how did you manage to get your phd um you know become a professor at temple university and also manage work-life balance with your family and everything like what is some advice that you would give soldiers who are, are currently going through school and also having you know that has a family member or soldiers in the agr program our current soldiers looking to get in like what advice would you give them for work what's the balance? secret sauce secret sauce oh yeah secret stuff yeah so there really isn't much of a secret to be honest it's, it's, <laughs> you gotta find it so the work-life balance is probably the most crucial thing everyone experiences burnout and you know no one is uh, no one's a machine you have to you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be it's really about self-assessment and i think when you're young and, and I'm, I'm only 40, right? So I'm not like old by any means, but I'll be honest. Hey, even though I'm still like maxing events on the ACFT, can I run like I used to when I was 22? Absolutely not. I'm never going to be getting those sub 11s or anything like that. You know, it's nothing, yeah. that stuff achievable, <laughs> right? Your knees, your back, right? Things. So you have to, you have to assess like, you know, priorities that come up and family is a huge one and that is a bedrock and it should be hopefully for everyone. And I get it. Not everybody has, best family life out there. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to manage what you can that, that brings to your life that enhances it, not deters from it. Right. Um, numerous friendships and stuff sometimes kind of go away, uh, as you're trying to pursue numerous types of goals that are going to benefit you. So when I went through my PhD, Oh, that was a very, very lonely process. You know, I felt like I was disconnected for sure from, Many of my friends, I couldn't go out, you know, every other night, you know, have fun, you know, I had to, you know, do numerous night classes, you know, for six years. Uh, plus, you know, uh, on top of that, lots of writing, lots of reading. And so your circles change, you know, priorities change. Um, and then while I was doing my PhD, that's when kids also came into the mix and that made things, as you just mentioned, it makes it a lot harder. It's an additional variable that adds on to things that just makes it a little more complicated. But, uh, for me, I feel better being at home, being with them, being with my wife, being with my kids, and just feeling um, that that's a place where, you know, I can stop being, you know, uh, Dr. Harden for a second. I can stop being Captain, you know, Captain Harden. I'm not the XO yet. You know, like I, I can I can focus on them because they need me to, you know, yeah. and I need them. It's not just it's 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 a both it's a, it goes both ways. 
I know a lot of people that are obsessed with, you know, they're working, they bring their laptops home, you know, they're doing work for government at night, you know, a lot of officers doing that stuff. And I try not to, because, you know, certain things can weigh. Yes, certain things are important. You must do, you know, 100% absolutely, but you have to find that balance. So with that, how do you combat burnout? What makes you feel less stressed? Um, one big thing that I'm a big proponent of is staying in shape. You know, college athlete never lost that mentality, or at least tried not to. Um, as you get older, you know, no one else is going to make you work out, right? No one's going to take care of your body, you know, but you. You have to kind of make those choices that, you know, flexibility and mobility as you get get older is is something that you want to maintain and keep and enhance if possible. Um, what makes things worse with all those balance, all those things you got to balance like we were just talking about, the one thing that would make it all worse is if you had an injury, you know. Yep. So if you had kids, you have all these demands at work, you're trying to do schooling, you're trying to do all the right things to make yourself better, but now, oh, you, you blew out your hamstring. Or, you know, you have to get knee surgery or something like that. And now you're dealing with pain on top of that. That's that's an awful thing, right? So I think the one thing that helps everyone, you know, uh, whether you enjoy working out or not, is just taking time to at least do yoga or something to kind of stay, uh, maintain a level of being active and letting your your body, you know, be in a good condition that it can, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be the thing that you're worrying about. Um I think that's so vital and key. And that also helps reduce stress. It helps reduce burnout and plan that into your day. You know, 30 minutes of your time should at least try to go to some kind of workout. You know, you can do 30 minutes. Anybody can. It's just that where are you going to put it in? How are you going to get it done? And, you know, uh, do it with your kids. Do it at home. Do it, you know, (laughs) you know, COVID taught it, right? Gyms closed down. Plenty of ways. And not saying go out and get the telephone and drop in crazy money. You can do plenty of workouts. Uh, the Army has taught you, uh, and plenty of stuff online for free with limited equipment. You know, there's so I think that that is a, a key thing is, is taking care of yourself, uh, both mentally and physically. Um, you know, it's, it's the holistic approach that is, you know, and then if you do need help on, on something, don't be afraid to ask and, and reach out for whatever it may be. You know, ask your teammates, people, you know, your things at work, you just need some additional hands and assistance. Uh, ask your friends, ask your families, like just being open and talking uh, and, and realizing, hey, you know, I got to be honest right now, I'm overwhelmed and I got to take something off my plate. Can you help me out? You know, that those those things uh, will keep you going in the long run uh, to get through the hard times that you may be experiencing and things will be a little bit easier later on. So that's that's beautiful. And like, like you said, you know, by growing yourself, by working on yourself, you're growing and bettering the organization and ultimately leaving it better than you found it. And that's the ultimate goal. That's the goal of this podcast. And it's evident, sir, that, you know, you've done the new career and, and you're an incredible leader. And, you know, we know you from a short time here, but I'm sure that you know, your soldiers think the same. I'm just glad to have, I just want to say that, you know, we are glad to have people like you in the organization, just from, you know, just one human to another, uh, Thank you for, you know, for coming and spending the time on this podcast, but also thank you for being just the person that you are. Yeah, appreciate it very much and look forward to working with all you guys in the future. And if you're ever in Pennsylvania, let us know. Yeah, no, absolutely, sir. Thank you so much. Perspective and insight add a lot of knowledge to future soldiers or soldiers currently in looking to either go officer or just learn different leadership traits in general. We truly appreciate all your service and time you took with us today. 
Um, and you know, like you said, built that network. So we're definitely happy to have you on that le- network. And also, if you guys are on Instagram, make sure you guys do follow him on Instagram at the Harden. Um, and you know, just start 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 a conversation with him. You never know what you could learn. Um, definitely, it, it, it's very open that he is here to help you guys out and get more conversation. So we're here to help out as much as possible. Thank you for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it.